Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be covering some of the things that have been happening recently, but in a a slightly different format where I'm going to be wrestling with the, the phrase, something big is coming which is something that we hear a lot in the the UFO topic, uh, all the time, really. I mean, I've been hearing that kind of thing being banded about ever since I got into the topic a few years ago. Um, But it does seem to be even more than usual recently. And it seems as though that has been kind of ramping up over the course of really the last, last few months And it kind of reached a bit of a fever pitch uh, around about the time of, well, it was August the 19th, Sean Cahill, uh, Minty Hyperspace. So Sean Cahill obviously needs no introduction to to most people, uh, but basically uh, retired US Navy Chief Master at Arms, uh, who is now uh, an investigator uh, in terms of uh, UFOs, UAP, and also co-founder of Skyfort and uh, close confidant and friend of Lou Elizondo. So very much part of the inner circle of of what's going on here uh, with uh, Lou Elizondo and and, uh, the group of affiliated ex-insiders who who have been more informed than most uh, about this topic. Anyway, Sean Cahill on August the 19th posted a GIF uh, image of the glass from Jurassic Park with the water kind of rippling which if you've seen the film you'll know exactly what I mean Uh, but just in case anybody has not seen the film you should definitely check it out it's an amazing film with absolutely sensational music Uh, but anyway the point of this scene is that it it zooms in on a glass of water as the Tyrannosaurus Rex is approaching and with every step that the Tyrannosaurus Rex takes uh, there's a ripple that happens in in the water Um, so it's a strong suggestion of something big is coming basically not just something is coming but I would suggest something very big is on the horizon and Sean posted this gif simply with the caption provided without comment so obviously you have to take that for whatever you think it means, but I think the GIF itself is a very strong suggestion that something is in the pipeline currently. And there have been a number of other people as well who are sort of connected, who know uh, people, you know, in, in these kind of inner circles, key players in, in the UFO topic have all been hinting at very similar things recently. So I thought today is just going to be all about digging into that because obviously it's exciting i mean some people hate this kind of stuff but i don't mind it because it's exciting isn't it it's fun you know something big's coming why not have a bit of a laugh about it you know and and enjoy the process of uh, you know the anticipation of of this thing coming you know it's like the you know when when christmas is on the way i enjoy the build-up to christmas you know christmas day itself is great but the build-up is part of the fun um, obviously I'm, I'm being a bit daft there uh, but you get the idea I personally don't really mind a little bit of hype as long as it's justified um, in the end 
that's the thing realistically it all comes down to what actually gets revealed you know if if people are constantly hyping things up and then at the end of it it's nothing of substance then obviously that's not so good but uh, i would imagine based on the track record of uh, sean cahill and, and lou elizondo obviously the two being very closely linked i think we can safely say that something is definitely very interesting that is on the way and a very good way of highlighting that is a tweet actually yesterday from Ryan, uh, Post Disclosure World on Twitter, uh, Post Disclosure on Twitter. And his tweet said, key people said UFO hearings would come. They did. Key people said immunity language would be drafted. It was. Key people are saying that we'll get more hearings. I bet we will. Key people are saying whistleblowers are coming. I bet they will. And it's a good point. You know, we have heard now a, a pretty, pretty consistent track record of these things having been predicted by certain key players and they did come to fruition. And this is part of what I talk about with Lou Elizondo. A lot of people say, you know, criticize Lou Elizondo for various reasons. But my point is that generally, whenever he said something was going to happen like this, it did happen. You know, he's got a very good track record in that regard. You know, love him or hate him, he has been pretty accurate with his predictions. And I think Ryan's point here is that overall, the key people who've said these various things, turns out it did happen. So are we going to see something else coming up? You know, something big? I think it's safe to say that we are. Um, so... Apart from those couple of tweets, there have been various others, as I say, all suggesting that something is coming. And, um, you know, as I say, there's always a bit of that in the UFO topic, but this seems to have been even more than usual. So let's examine a little bit about how we've kind of got to this point, and then we'll transition to what the actual thing that's coming could be. So recently, Gary Nolan was on Tucker Carlson, and on that interview, he talks about actually briefing Representative Gallagher about the Wilson documents. And anybody who's not familiar with the Wilson documents, it is a bit of a tangled web. It's quite complicated. And you have to, to, to really understand what's going on with the Wilson documents, you have to put quite a bit of time in to actually decipher, you know, all of the various opinions and, and come to your own conclusions. And there's some very, very good uh, information out there. If anybody's not familiar with the Wilson documents, I'd recommend uh, UFO Joe uh, website has got a mega blog, which is, I don't even know how many pages it is, but it's probably about 15 pages of information about his investigation into the Wilson documents. Very, very detailed. And there's also been a number of other videos um, that you can check out on the Wilson documents. Um, I know that Richard Dolan did a very, I think it's like a five hour deep dive into the Wilson documents. And uh, there's very good debate actually between uh, Project J, Project Unity and um, John Greenwald on the Black Vault. And I thought that was a very good video actually. I think it's again, a couple of hours long. And that's all about Jay presenting his reasons why he thinks that the Wilson documents are legit. And John Greenwald presenting his opinion as to why they're not legit. So again, very interesting to hear that debate and obviously you can come to your own conclusions after having heard both sides but just to quickly summarize 
the wills and documents basically are a leaked set of documents which is allegedly we'll say um a record of a conversation a meeting which took place between admiral thomas wilson and eric davis so thomas wilson uh Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson, to give him his proper title, and was actually also the the 13th director of the Defence Intelligence Agency uh, as part of a, a pretty distinguished career. And he served as director of the Defence Intelligence Agency from July 1999 to July 2002. So basically a three-year stint there as the director of the DIA. And Eric Davis is a astrophysicist who specializes in advanced propulsion and essentially um you know a very intelligent leading physicist and apparently the the meeting that took place was between uh, these two these two individuals and a lot of what was being discussed in this meeting was um the frustrations that admiral wilson had at having got an inkling and an awareness of some reverse engineering programs and despite his very senior position he had tried to make efforts to actually access the information contained within these programs and was unable to do so and he was having this meeting with Eric Davis to sort of discuss this and to basically express uh, frustration as to the, the fact that he hadn't been able to access uh, these programs so first of all obviously it, it strongly suggests that these programs do exist and also on top of that it, it suggests that they are essentially very difficult to access even for people right up at the top of the chain who you would imagine would have the power to be able to access these programs which is obviously long suspected by many people within the ufo topic in general and the actual um materials that are actually claimed to exist within these hidden programs sort of varies depending on who you speak to some people think that it's fully intact craft with potentially bodies and others think that it is uh, actually more along the lines of debris and wreckage and advanced materials but i would argue that either way it's absolutely fascinating to consider what is held within these these programs. Anyway, so the point is that these notes have kind of risen to prominence over the last few years after having been leaked and then discussed at great length between people within the UFO community. These notes now are taking on even more significance than before because they were brought up as part of the congressional hearing which took place a few months ago, which was a a subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee uh, hearing which actually brought forward a couple of senior Pentagon officials to discuss the topic specifically of UAP and UFOs. Now on the Tucker Carlson interview with Gary Nolan he talks about having briefed Representative Gallagher about these documents and also um, a couple of other things such as Malmstrom Air Force Base uh, the incident where there was reportedly an object appeared over the base and shut down the nuclear missiles etc but most significantly uh, in the context of what I'm talking about here Gary Nolan actually briefed Gallagher about these documents 
Now, when I first heard about that, that is very interesting indeed, because somebody in Gary Norwin's position, you would expect would have a much better awareness of whether or not these documents actually are legit than most. Uh, this is an individual who's actually friends with Eric Davis and Hal Puthoff and the types of people who are right up at the cutting edge of, of science in terms of as it relates to UFOs and UAP. And even the fact that Nolan had briefed Gallagher about these documents suggests more clearly than ever that the Wilson documents are at least largely legit. And the thing is, is that really kind of driving that point home, Ross Coltart said specifically, he asked Gary Nolan if the notes are genuine. And he said, quote, yes. <laughs> so it doesn't get any clearer than that. We're talking about um, Ross Coltart saying that he's asked Gary Nolan directly if these notes are genuine, and he said yes. And he also followed that up by asking him if there is a cover-up. And Gary Nolan replies to that, yes, there is an active cover-up. And there has been an active cover-up which is, is just huge, you know, and, and Ross Coltart goes on. Uh, this is coming from an interview, by the way, on Project Unity uh, with Ross Coltart, which only came out yesterday. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Ross Coltart's just brought out a new documentary, and in that documentary he was, he was speaking to Gary Nolan. Uh, worth a watch as well. Um, that's on the 7 News Spotlight. I think it's a little bit difficult to find out outside of Australia. Um, but if you if you if you look around, you, you should be able to find it. That's a Ross Coltart Seven News UFO documentary. And the thing I was quite surprised by was Gary Nolan was, you know, pretty pretty confident as it seems. You know, apparently according to Ross Coltart, in in directly addressing these notes and saying that he thinks that they are genuine. That is quite uh, an important thing to for him to say considering when Hal Puthoff has been asked about these notes he just refuses to comment won't comment Eric Davis same thing just won't comment uh, the only thing Eric Davis has said is that he's aware of the fact that the notes have come out and he is aware that they were leaked out of uh, Edgar Mitchell's estate and again, I'm not going to go into the, the the long story about these notes. You know, you guys can check that out. I've talked about it on the podcast a lot before anyway. Um, and, and I imagine probably a lot of people who are listening to this are already aware. But th there is a pretty strong provenance, basically, of these notes that they were created as basically an internal memo um, as part of the NIDS group, which is the National Institute of Discovery Science, that a lot of these individuals that I'm mentioning were a part of, were connected to. And um, they ended up um, as part of Edgar Mitchell's estate. And when he passed away, essentially these notes ended up getting to um, you know, the public and then were, were leaked and then disseminated uh, around the ufo community by uh, a couple of uh, prominent researchers and now obviously they are pretty pretty well out there and even like i say even actually added to the congressional memo uh, as part of that congressional hearing uh, the, the congressional record should i say so very very interesting and, and obviously th that's a lot of the details of the background of this but but let's just focus on the big point there there are supposedly programs hidden away within very secretive parts of the US 
government, military and intelligence structure that have to do with reverse engineering of non-human technology. I mean, that is... It's, it's where the rubber meets the road, in my opinion. I remember hearing a few other people saying that in the past. And it, it has to be, doesn't it? Because surely that's the ultimate proof. You can get anything on video you want. You can get anything on photographs you want. Satellite images, the best sensor systems in the world. And in a lot of cases, people still aren't going to believe it because they'll just assume that it's a hoax. Um, you know cgi is amazing these days you can do some pretty incredible things just with simple apps on your phone so and and i was reminded of that with the the calvin photograph that's just come out of a huge diamond shaped craft and pretty clear footed you know a picture of it of a ufo um and still a lot of people try to explain it away as a reflection of a rock in a lake and all these kind of real um, complex explanations that, that require actually more mental gymnastics than uh, some of the more exotic explanations. But it, it kind of highlighted to me that no matter what photograph or video you get, you're never really going to have a smoking gun. But if you've got clear evidence especially if that's presented in some kind of congressional hearing setting or uh, you know there is a, an, an official announcement of the existence of these programs however that ends up coming out that actually is quite a clear smoking gun if you can say look we've got an intact non-human craft it doesn't get much better than that in terms of acknowledging that something is here on this planet apart from humans so that's it's something that I've really been fascinated with over the last few years as to what extent is the UFO cover-up. I remember a long time ago, about a year ago actually, doing episodes which were titled just that, you know, what is the extent of the UFO cover-up? Are we talking about some little bits of material? Are we talking about intact craft, potentially even working craft? Are we talking about alien bodies you know i mean it sounds crazy to even say it but um this is what we're hearing and and i have heard that there are indications that members of congress have been informed of the location of non-human technology the actual physical location of where that is and they've received actionable intelligence and information about where they can locate these things now first of all it's worth mentioning this is just what i'm hearing obviously i've not been to the warehouse and seen the stuff that they've got there as ross coltar always says i haven't kicked the tires of a tr3b and until i do i won't know for sure that this stuff actually is there but this is what i'm hearing that congress have, have been working on this new legislation because of things that they have been told, things that they have been briefed on, and the interests of the people who are responsible for putting these pieces of legislation together. The wording has been informed by very reliable sources briefing them on the existence of, of these programs. And it's not really anything that new, because actually going back quite some years now, Eric Davis had tried to brief congressional committees about the existence of these programs and uh, chris mellon has been quoted on uh, you know saying that uh, he is aware of those briefings having took place and i think he was present as well if i remember the quote correctly for those briefings and he's aware of eric davis's arguments and what eric davis was doing was trying to point congress 
in the direction of where they can find these programs and where they can potentially find the actual materials that are being held. Now, that was some years ago. And if you think about back then, it was a bit of a different climate. You know, there wasn't all of the information out. You know, potentially, Eric Davis may have been a bit ahead of his time there in, in trying to raise awareness and point Congress in the, in the direction of where to find this stuff. But you have to imagine that now, bearing in mind we've had these hearings, we've got a lot more information out, we've had various people step out of the shadows and give their side of the story. You would have to imagine that now, perhaps it's a bit of a different situation. And if somebody like Eric Davis or whoever else it might be who has an idea of where to find these programmes, if they did come forward to a, a congressional committee, Congress might be a lot more inclined to actually take them off on that offer, uh, take them up on the offer and actually have a look and see if they can locate the programmes and, and potentially pass legislation you know, put legislation through which can actually allow the location of these programs and to get to the bottom of what's actually going on within them. So just to summarise so far, we've heard that going back years, very uh, prominent people who are in a position to know more than most about these programs have asserted that they do exist and that they've even gone to Congress and tried to raise awareness and allow Congress to find where these programs are and now we've got one of the most prominent people really of the last few months professor gary nolan you know openly stating that he believes the wilson documents are legit they're genuine in to use his actual word um and you know when you consider who Gary Nolan is connected to, I think that is probably the strongest indication so far that those notes are genuine and that they do refer to genuine programs which contain non-human technologies. The extent of what that non-human technology is, we'll have to wait and see. This, this new language that I touched on a minute ago as well in the National Defense Authorization Act and the Intelligence Authorization Act in the United States um, for FY23 is actually a pretty good indication of what's actually going on behind closed doors. As my old friend Chris Sharp from Liberation Times likes to say, um, you know, laws are not made in a vacuum. They're being informed by the very real briefings and the very real information that's being presented to the Congress people and, and their um, teams of staff. And what they're doing is laying the foundations to be able to access some of these deeply buried programs. And you have to think that there would be a certain amount of uh, frustration and, and um, you know, a shock, really, that, that Congress may be finding out that there are programs which are existing within the U.S. military and intelligence uh, government structures which are operating without the normal oversight the, the way that this works just to very quickly summarize according to again my understanding of it is that there are what you call special access programs within those structures that i've just talked about and special access programs are very very limited in terms of who can access the information in those programs and they spend an, an absolute fortune of money to maintain secrecy and, and and ensure that the information is not compromised that is held within these programs and that can be any number of things as well not necessarily just to do with ufos it's very important to remember that you know there's many things that 
should be kept secret because you don't want all of your adversaries or members of the public or terrorist groups and things to be able to access some of the most tightly locked up information that the US military is working on. I think that's fairly um, self-explanatory and common sense. But within that, some of these programs that are special access programs may indeed be looking at UFOs. Even further beyond that, you get something referred to as unacknowledged or waived special access programs which don't operate with the usual oversight of congress so the only people who can actually oversee those programs uh, and, and and be able to see what's going on there are what they call the gang of eight and the gang of eight essentially is a slang term for a group of eight leaders within the United States Congress who are briefed on classified intelligence matters by the executive branch. And the, the Gang of Eight basically includes the leaders of each of the two parties uh, from both the Senate and House of Representatives and the chairs and ranking minority members of both the Senate Committee and House Committee for Intelligence. So it's a very high-level, small group. So the most secretive programs can operate with a heightened amount of security, essentially. And, and those are what's called waived or um, unacknowledged special access programs. And apparently, allegedly, there are even a step beyond that, which is referred to as carved-out special access programs, which are operating without any oversight, essentially. And there are questions as to whether or not that is even legal. Now, obviously, if you get an inkling that that might be the case and you're a member of Congress and you're responsible for oversight of these types of programs, you're not going to be too happy about that. And that, I think, is what we're seeing. And... If these members of Congress are being directed as to where they can find these programs, you better believe they're going to be going looking for them. And that is going to be very interesting. And I think that is what is informing this language of the Intelligence Authorization Act and the NDAA. It's all about protection for whistleblowers, people who want to come forward and share information um, to allow you know, this mystery to be solved or at least go some way to solving the mystery. Um, the language that's been put forward by members of Congress um, in the Intelligence Authorization Act and the NDAA, the language is specifically designed to protect people who want to come forward and share that information. Now, moving on to what Gary Nolan has said in his interview with Ross Coulthard, and he's also hinted at this before as well on Twitter and I think even in the Tucker Carlson interview. But, I mean, he says it very, very clearly in the recent interview that he did with Ross Coulthard that something is coming just seems beyond any shadow of a doubt when you hear this. And I'm just going to play the audio clip so that you can actually hear it from the horse's mouth, as it were. And uh, I would recommend everybody go and check out the full thing, obviously. But um, here is the, the clip. Do you think they've been concealing? Oh, yes. It's an amazing I mean, I know, allegation. I, 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 I know it for a fact. I mean, I just why, know that. Why, why do you know that? What, because what? I've spoken to the people who are about to come out and, and whistleblow on it. Wow. So you know what's coming? Yeah. So there has been a cover-up. Yeah. And there has been an active cover-up. I mean, just just look at what the Department of Defense announced last week. They announced an office to study the phenomenon. 
money put aside. They've said, we're going to go back to 1947. Which is incredible. That's the date of Roswell. Yeah. 1947, we want a list of every... Uh... Absolutely mind-blowing to think. You know, we talk about something coming. Ross Coltart clearly says in that clip there, so you know what's coming. And Gary Nolan says, yes. So it would seem that these tweets these indications that that people say about oh something big's coming all this kind of thing it is more than just hype it is more than just people getting carried away on social media we're talking about high level scientists who are actually in a position to know gary nolan asserts quite clearly when you listen to the rest of that interview and some of the comments that ross coltart has said um outside of, of the interview as well gary nolan has actually been approached by people who are getting ready to come forward in terms of whistleblowing on the existence of these programs. Now, what are we going to see happen? Are we going to see this imminently? Now, I remember saying a little while back, and not to say I told you so or anything, but I didn't think that hearings were going to be forthcoming anytime soon. However, Ross Coltart did say that he is hearing that we are going to see some more UFO hearings before Congress, before the end of the year. So, again, not necessarily imminent. We're not talking about something's coming in the next few days. We're not talking about something's coming in the next few weeks, but probably before the end of the year. But it's not clear if the monumental witnesses, as he puts it, are going to be coming forward as part of those hearings or whether or not that's going to be a little bit down the line. Now, my particular thinking on that is that even though something big is coming, I don't think it's going to be right away. And I think it's worth tempering expectations in that regard. I don't think any of these whistleblowers, the monumental ones that we're talking about, who have approached Gary Nolan, who who um, have been speaking to various members of Congress behind the scenes, um, I don't think we're going to see them coming forward until this whistleblower protection is fully signed into law. Let's be honest, they're not just going to come out on a wing and a prayer. They're going to want to make sure that absolutely all the boxes are ticked before coming forward. And that's not going to be right away. Um, it all depends when this legislation that's going through the US system actually gets signed into law. Um, so let's not get too carried away because you know like many people have said it's a marathon not a sprint but some very interesting developments that are working their way through various systems at the moment and we'll start to see this stuff bubbling up to the surface over the course of basically the next year i think we're probably going to see more hearings based on what Ross and a few other people have said, I don't think it's going to be after Christmas now that we see the next one. Um, I would suggest we're probably going to get one, maybe two before the end of the year. And then the real big witnesses are going to start coming through towards um, the spring of next year. But I would love to be surprised and see that happen sooner. But uh, yeah, as I say, that that's my suspicion. These people are not going to come forward until they're absolutely confident that the whistleblower protection is fully in place. Then they would probably still even further need to get legal advice and make sure everything, you know, is covered before they actually step forward and and do um, whatever it is that they're planning on doing. Also, just to present a little bit of an alternative view of all of this as well, 
it is worth considering that some researchers and experts in the UFO field aren't so convinced by all of this. You know, again, you know, just to present the other side of the coin. Some old school kind of UFO people are sort of saying that, you know, this is just the latest wave of optimism and that they've seen it all before. You know, it, it, I have to admit it was an eye-opener speaking to, you know, legendary UFO researcher from the UK, Philip Mantle, who recently appeared on my show um, about, I guess, a couple of months ago now. And Philip Mantle was just saying that, you know, this this current disclosure movement is, you know, just the latest kind of hype train and that he's seen it all before and he's not exactly convinced that there's going to be anything any different this time around. And I must, like I say, I must take that on board because I am, you know, I, I've been involved in this. I'm part of that new wave of people that have been got interested in this topic since 2017, um, you know, with TTSA, Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon. And that that is basically what brought me into the topic. So I, I can see certain trends emerging over the last three or four years, um, but I, I can't see it with the same bigger picture awareness that somebody like Philip Mansell can see because he's been involved in this topic for you know I think 50 years by this point I mean it's it's quite incredible uh, you know how these people uh, have been you know treading this path for so long and um, you, you develop a much bigger awareness having been involved in any topic for that length of time and obviously there are many many others as well who who are perhaps you know, a little bit less convinced of the significance of what's going on at this present moment in time. So it's, are, are these kind of old school researchers and ufologists a bit a bit jaded perhaps and don't realise the significance of what's going on at the moment because um, they're sort of desensitised to it a little bit? Or are the relative newcomers kind of caught up in the hype and excitement and it seems like we're leading to a destination but actually maybe we're not? I think you have to consider it from both angles, really. I mean, my my take, bearing in mind I am part of that newer wave, you know, but, but for what it's worth, my take is that this is unprecedented territory in terms of, you know, getting closer to uncovering what's going on in these black programmes. And I think that was what I already thought, but when you see things like, the ufo hearings the first hearings in over 50 years it really drives the point home that this is different now it's not the same cycle repeating and when you see something like those hearings it really does seem to be a pretty clear indication nasa's open involvement in this you know actually tasking i think it's 15 uh, or more of their of their top scientists to work on this uh, as i've mentioned before i do have some slight um you know misgivings about the way that they're going about their investigation however you know it can't be denied that they're openly acknowledging this as a serious topic to look into and their willingness to tackle it like that is huge in terms of the ripple effect that that has throughout the mainstream nasa has an undeniably big name and if it throws its weight behind this topic that's that can't be a, a bad thing in in the overall picture um but as i say we'll have to wait and see in terms of what they actually come up with in terms of data um 
and it's not necessarily going to be a, a, a quick process. It's going to take a little bit of time. But uh, again, the, the, like with all of these things, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding. And my point is, is that seeing NASA openly get involved with this, putting out press releases, saying that they're putting together a team to investigate UFOs, UAP, the fact that the US... Uh, Congress had hearings on this topic and there are probably going to be more hearings coming up relatively soon you know that does strongly suggest to me that we are in you know uncharted territory in terms of actually getting closer to uncovering what is known by these secretive departments and as I said earlier you know these these programs these unacknowledged carved out special access programs which you know apparently have access to the the, the best you know materials and and debris whatever you want to call it intact craft bodies we're, we're closer than ever before i believe to actually understanding what is known by uh, these most secretive programs and the only thing i would say is as much as this is an unprecedented time in terms of uh, being as close as, as, as you know the public has ever been to get to the bottom of what is known by these most secretive uh, departments and groups within uh, the US military. And let's let's be honest, probably the UK as well and a lot of other countries, but uh, you know as is the current way of, of, of operating, the US does tend to take the lead on most things in close collaboration with its allies like the UK, Australia, etc. Um, so I would imagine that we've been cooperating and, and collaborating with the US on, on most of this stuff going back quite some years, probably decades. Um, but the, the US is, is kind of taking the lead publicly in, in this regard. So eventually, I think we'll see, you know, again, eventually is the key word. We may see some some more openness within the UK and, and Australia, etc. as well. But the point is, is that um, within the US, because that obviously is the focus here for the reasons that I just mentioned, we are now starting to see this progress and we're getting closer to, to getting to access whatever it is that's really known about this by the, the US military intelligence network. But the thing is, is that if it is true that there have been forces trying to keep this information locked up and hidden away, there's a few things to consider about that. Like, first of all, what if there's a very good reason for why this information has been kept hidden away for so long? Because it could be that there is some aspects to this which are best not known for whatever reason. You know, and again, there's endless speculation as to what that could actually be. But if there is a very good reason that this has to be kept hidden from the public, you know, could it be that it's actually not in the best interest of humanity to have this information come out? Or the other way to look at it is that there has been so much potential wrongdoing and so many people implicated in that wrongdoing over the decades that there are people now behind the scenes that have been covering this up by potentially illegal means and they are now protecting themselves and covering each other's backs as to not have this information come out because then they would be found to be uh, liable for the things that they've done wrong over the years, such as 
disinformation campaigns you know basically lying to the public and uh, and misinforming the public so as to keep the whole thing uh, covered up more effectively potentially harassing individuals and you know again depending on how far that actually goes you know it could be some very very serious consequences so again the point is you know for whatever of those reasons you think might be the most accurate there is a very determined faction of individuals who are going to want to keep this stuff locked up. And the closer that Congress and obviously the public um, via Congress get to actually uncovering what's really going on here, the more determined and the more um, you know significant the response is going to be from these obfuscators. So I would argue that the reason we're seeing such strong wording in the current Intelligence Authorization Act and the current NDAA is because of what happened last time. If you think about it, cast your mind back to all the excitement around the Gillibrand Amendment last year and the creation of the Astro Office and the, all these amazing things that were going to happen. You know, not to be a, a Debbie Downer, but what actually ended up happening was the AIMSOG. You know, I mean, the name says it all, doesn't it? You know, the, the AOIMSG, um, you know, the office that was basically preemptively created to negate the the necessity for an office because there's, oh, don't worry, we've already got one. You know, we don't need to create a new office with all of these, um, you know, specific requirements in place because we've already got one that can cover all of the requirements of the Gillibrand Amendment. And obviously this was put forward, um, you know, right before the Gillibrand Amendment, you know, essentially was about to come into fruition. And I would argue that that is a, a very effective uh, way of, you know, negating the, the necessity for this new office that was just about to come in. And they've managed to basically drag the heels and do very, very little with this new AOIMSG office, basically to the point where Congress has got so frustrated with it uh, that they've gone ahead and actually made much, much stronger requirements in this year's uh, or this this upcoming year's um, Intelligence Authorization Act and, and National Defence Authorization Act, which is basically already, they've had to rename the AOMSG. It's now the Arrow Office. It potentially is going to have a name change again. There's been talks of renaming it to the UAP uh, uh, JPO, uh, Joint Program Office, I, I believe it was off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, there are very effective efforts going on to frustrate the progress. And, you know, I have to be realistic about it. They're probably going to try and do all of this again. I mean, I remember reading through the Gillibrand Amendment wording and, and being blown away by what was being proposed, only to be pretty disappointed over the coming months that the AOIMSG basically you know, took all of that, that exciting word in and, and nullified it. And are we going to basically see the same kinds of things happening with this new wording? I think I'd safe to say there's going to be attempts to do that. How successful are they going to be is, is the question. And how successful is the actual wording within these these new bits of legislation going to be maybe it could be argued that the the momentum is is in the favor of the um you know the, the people who are trying to get to the bottom of this you know and by this point you know the old analogy of the toothpaste out of the tube you can't put it back in again 
I would sort of argue that we've had a couple of squirts of the tube where actually we were promised the entire tube being emptied out, you know, so <laughs> just, um, you know, it, it's worth bearing it all in mind with a, with a bit of caution. Op cautious optimism is, is the phrase I often find myself using with these types of things. Um, it's like, you know, a lot of things in life, it's not going to be one or the other. We're not going to see absolutely nothing, but we're also not going to see the entire Pandora's box being flung open. I think we're probably going to see a, a battle between those who want to keep Pandora's box tightly locked up. And we're also going to see the people who want to have the doors flung open, um, you know, having a tug of war. And we're going to see probably the, the door of Pandora's box opened a crack and we can have a peek inside, but we're not going to have the entire contents of the box emptied out for the public to see. Um, and again, as I say, some of that might actually be for good reason. We don't know for sure. So we'd have to be wary, really, about do we want Pandora's box even to be opened? I suppose that's another question. Yeah, but you guys will have to let me know what you think. It's always great to hear. Send me a message, comment, email, whatever it might be, um, and uh, let me know. Uh, uh, is it risky to fling open Pandora's box at this point? We don't really know what we're letting ourselves in for. Is it we want to know regardless of what's in there because that's the reality and we've got to be able to face that head on you know it's it's interesting to to consider isn't it but we're gonna to have to just see how it all plays out you know as we go along i have seen a lot of tweets of people saying things along the lines of you know all of humanity is going to have to accept this reality very soon and, and you know the thing as i said I think we should approach this with caution because I don't think we're going to see over the next few weeks or something, you know, the entire box being flung open. And um, you have to also consider, even if a top scientist whistleblower comes forward and testifies before Congress that they've seen a verified alien body, what percentage of people would actually sit up and take notice of that? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Are we going to see like mass panic? Are we going to see, you know, people just turning a blind eye and going, yeah, because I've already knew that and now we've just got the confirmation of it? Because I think that's almost where we are. I think a lot of people, you know, subliminally accept the existence of non-human intelligence visiting this planet. You know, every pop culture completely accepts flying saucers and alien bodies at Roswell as being a thing. You know, if a top scientist comes out in a congressional hearing and verifies that that's actually happened... It'd be a big news story for a while, but I'm not so sure that it actually would be as ground-shaking as what certain people seem to suggest. The wider question there, I suppose, is what would a post-disclosure world really look like? And as I say, I'm not sure it would be as dramatic as people think. One thing that made me consider that was, you know, COVID. COVID was shocking, you know, at first, I remember the feeling of like walking into a supermarket and seeing somebody wearing a mask for the first time. It felt like I was living in some kind of, you know, strange future where everything's like a post-apocalyptic environment. Or so, you know, it was really weird walking around seeing people wearing masks, you know. But how quickly did we adjust to that? You know, it was a little bit of panic. Everybody ran out of pasta and toilet roll, you know, how bizarre. Um, but within you know a few months everything was just kind of the new normal wasn't it that's what everybody said the new normal i think as humans we have the ability to adjust to the new normal pretty quickly 
Another example of that is is the absolutely shocking, you know, horrific things that are going on in Ukraine with with Russia's, you know, unjustified invasion, etc. And I remember seeing some uh, footage of a, a bus with people commuting to work with a tank driving past it. And it was just another reminder of that, that humans have this amazing capability of being able to adjust to the new normal very quickly. I suppose it's probably hardwired into humans as a survival mechanism because if your entire world crumbled when something big changed in your environment, then humans wouldn't have really lasted all these, you know, all, all these, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years we, we probably would have uh, died out the minute something something big happened and if you look back at human history we've lived through ice ages we've lived through you know the climate changing pretty significantly and um, potentially you know again depending on sort of like how much you buy into all of that human race probably has lived through or possibly has lived through multiple cataclysms and people adjusted to all of that you know again think of the the how world changing it would be you know to look over the sea and imagine the possibility of what could be on the other side of that sea and then you have to adapt to this new reality that you've now got ships to sail across and when you get there you see these crazy looking beings like lions and giraffes imagine the first time somebody ever saw a giraffe like it would be bizarre wouldn't it like it's a, some kind of form of life that's like as tall as a house, like with this little tiny head and a, a really long, it's a bizarre thing to see. The world didn't crumble. Everybody just adapted to it and told stories about it. And then now, you know, kids just know what a giraffe looks like. And I took my daughter to the zoo. We saw a giraffe. She thought it was really fun. And we went home, you know, it's humans adapt to things very quickly. And I sort of think that, the new normal of, of UFOs and the existence of a non-human intelligence would probably be quite similar. I think most people probably would just crack on with day-to-day -day tasks, you know, unless it directly affected them. And I think, let's be honest, we're not going to start teleporting and communicating tele you know, telepathically overnight, are we? You know, it, it's just going to be a case of, you know, these things that have been rumoured to exist for like a hundred years or, you know, before that even... Now we've got confirmation that, oh, yeah, actually, they do exist. You know, I, I think it would affect some people quite dramatically. You know, I'm, I'm not saying there wouldn't be an impact because there definitely would. But I, I, I tend to think that probably a little period of upheaval and then people would just be cracking on with life. You know, you might be a bit shocked. You might be talking to all your friends and sharing pictures. And I'm sure, you know, social media would be, you know, a buzz for a few days. But after that, you still got bills to pay, you still got to go to work, you still got to focus on the practicalities of waking up and getting your kids ready for school and so on. And those kind of things have to carry on as normal, don't they? And I remember, you know, years ago reading about how different cultures would be affected as well, which is an interesting thing to think about. Like, it's not just modern Western societies, but we're talking about tribal societies, you know, all around the world, you know, in how, how developed countries would be affected differently to developing countries, you know, things like that. And I suppose it all depends on whether or not there is some kind of working technologies that have been developed. Because you see, disclosure is not necessarily an 
all or nothing. You know, it could purely be a case of, okay, we're going to accept now that these things are real and um, we've been looking into them for some time, but we don't really understand it. You know, maybe if if that was the case, that was the level of disclosure that, that was, that was uh, you know, given out to the public. That, that would be very different to saying, okay, we've been looking into these things for a long time and we've got working technology, which we're now going to unveil to the public. I don't think that that's very likely. I think it's whatever technology they've got, they're probably still working on it. It's probably so advanced that they've they've made limited progress and um, they're not going to want to reveal where they're up to with that progress, probably for quite some time because it's the possibility of adversaries having developed te- the same kind of technologies. Nobody's going to want to show the hand. You know, I think it would be a very gradual process that would allow, um, you know, governments to to continue secrecy on these on this topic for as long as they deemed for that to be necessary but again it's you know at the end of the day i don't have a clue i don't have a crystal ball i wish i did perhaps i'm totally wrong perhaps if this all does get disclosed the white house will lead a press conference they'll show pictures and they'll do a press release with the alien bodies and a picture of a craft and there'll be an absolutely shocking meltdown of the world and mass panic but and again that that's an extreme example obviously i'm not suggesting that that's exactly what it's going to be but but maybe it will be a more significant shock to uh, to the public than i'm suggesting there again let me know you know let me know what you think what would the world look like post post disclosure and and i suppose the question is it all depends on the level of the disclosure doesn't it and i don't tend to think it will be the box being thrown open i think what this is all going to lead to is probably the 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 lid of pandora's box just being opened just a crack and we're going to get a peek through that over the course of the next year i would say over the course of the next say three four five years we're going to slightly see that box being lifted open just a little bit more and you know gradually i think the acceptance will build within the public's consciousness and you know, as as the box continually opens more and more uh, as time goes along, you know, um, gradually the, the acceptance of this will will just become the the new normal, as it has with various other things. And I think it's important to make the distinction here as well. Um, obviously, I consider that the revelation of the existence of some kind of non-human intelligence, especially if it's here interacting with us and has been for some time. I consider that to be an absolutely profound thing that fascinates me and that's obviously why I'm so interested in this topic and I you know I spend so much of my time looking into this and following the the developments and whatnot but I suppose what I'm saying is it all depends first of all on what disclosure actually looks like if the doors the lid of of Pandora's box is is flung open and whatever is inside there is absolutely terrifying then obviously that's going to have much a different impact and it won't just be a case of people crack on as normal but if that's only if what's inside pandora's box is terrifying and the lid gets flung open and i just don't think if the the others whoever these others are they're non-human if they're in charge of the disclosure process they're probably not going to want to fling the door open otherwise they would have already done it and if humans have any say in the matter, then they're not going to want 
society to crumble overnight either. So I would suggest if whatever's inside the box is terrifying, then it's probably going to be either kept from us or gradually disclosed. And if what's inside the box is perhaps not terrifying, but just makes us completely reconsider everything about our existence, like let's say, for example, we were created by some kind of non-human intelligence, and that is the revelation that the government have already got an inkling about, and they don't want people to know about this because they feel like it would it would disrupt society as we know it. If that was the case, again, they're probably not going to let that all come out in one go anyway. So my point is, I think what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that I think humans are ready for this. You know, like I'd like to think so at least, you know, we can handle the truth and we need to know we're all adults. You know, we need to understand what we're dealing with, with this reality that we live in. And, and I hope that what we're seeing is is steps towards that humans are resilient our society can handle it we as individuals can handle it let's just crack on with actually you know getting the the real truth whatever that truth may be let's get it out there but again that does depend on whether or not there may be some good reasons for some of this being hidden from society at large for so long it's a somber thought to think that we're all pushing for disclosure what if that disclosure is really not something that we would want to know? We don't know what it is, so we can't determine whether or not that's likely or not. But interesting to think about, isn't it? You know, but again, you know, there is always the possibility of if the obfuscators are obfuscating for a good reason, you know, what are they going to try and do to try and keep that Pandora's box locked? And I had been thinking quite a bit recently about you have to think that their plan if if it is indeed the case that there are obfuscators they've got a you know a metaphorical you know pandora's box of information and they realize that congress have now got the key to that box and they're marching to it to open it up one of the things that they would do as a last resort would be to provide a very limited disclosure to to satisfy the appetite within the public and within congress just enough to basically just throw them a bone you know and i would imagine if it was me if i was an obfuscator that's what i'd be thinking about doing you know they're getting close to opening this box so we'll just reach into the box grab a little sample and give them that something that may be pretty mind-blowing but then that would allow you to then keep the box closed. And again, there may even be good reasons for having that box closed for all we know. We have to be careful what we wish for to a certain extent. But we'll have to see how it all plays out. I mean, it would appear that there is more than just hype to this. Something big is coming. Even just the fact that, you know, uh, uh, somebody of the stature of Gary Nolan, you know, somebody who is a top scientist is actually throwing his weight behind this topic you know personally verifying the um the, the how genuine the veracity of the, the wilson davis notes and therefore the the legitimacy the existence of non-human technology reverse engineering projects even the existence of of those programs and, and the 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 fact pointing towards the fact that that is the case that in itself is huge isn't it you know so 
if you imagine something even bigger than that is coming, some kind of public verification of that is coming, you know, that is something pretty monumental to happen. And and arguably the, the, the biggest uh, story in human history is about to is about to be ramped up a notch. But we shall see. We shall see. And I'll finish with a quote from a recent article by Marek von Rennenkampf, who is uh, a writer for The Hill, and he's been covering... Uh, he's also been doing some very, very in-depth analysis of various UFO videos like the gimbal and um, really going to great lengths to, to debate with Mick West and various other sceptics um, to verify the anomalous movements of those objects and i think has put forward a very very convincing argument that those objects did indeed show anomalous movements but he's just published an article which is well worth a read which is on the hill.com again and um in the article he he provides the following uh few sentences which i thought would be interesting to read out as a bit of a um, way of, of ending today's episode so quote it strains credulity to believe that lawmakers would include such extraordinary language in public legislation without compelling evidence perhaps members have seen the classified sensor data that prompted former president trump's director of national intelligence to state that ufos exhibit technologies that we don't have and we are not capable of defending against amongst several other eyebrow raising comments most strikingly congress's new definition of ufo excludes man-made objects unquote and the article actually goes on to talk about how over the last you know seven decades a lot of ufo sightings that had been reported involved you know, man-made objects like misidentifications of things like aircraft and balloons and satellites, drones, uh, atmospheric phenomenon, all the rest of it. But it, it, the key point here is that Congress are specifically requesting that objects that are actually identified by this new UFO office as man-made will actually just be passed on to the appropriate Department of Defence or Intelligence Community Offices for further analysis to check that out. In other words, anything that, that may be adversarial technology, anything that may just be, you know, I don't know, pranksters playing around with drones or whatever it might be, they're not interested in looking into that stuff. The article says, and this is a great way to sum it up, quote, Congress, in short, is forcing the government to focus on objects that are not man-made unquote so i think the key thing there is is something that i've kind of referenced a little bit throughout the the episode today is that laws are not made in a vacuum as as chris sharp said in, in the liberation times article and in several of those articles and in, in a lot of his tweets as well the point is members of congress we have to remember a lot of the people who've been in, integral in getting the wording um you know, put through the, the having this wording proposed and, and that is currently going through the, the legal system in the states. A lot of these people have seen things that the public haven't seen, and these are not people who are just 
you know, prone to fantasy, you know, uh, just going to go off on some flights of fancy and hear a couple of things and, oh, we're going to have to get a new office built for that then to check it out. They've seen things that are very significant and that is what is causing these bits of legislation because they've had enough videos, photographs presented to them in classified briefings that at this point they really want to know what is going on and they don't want to hear about adversarial technology they don't want to hear about drones they don't want to hear about anything man-made what they want to hear about is the other you know these attempts in the in the various the uap task force preliminary assessment and and at the hearing by moultrie and bray these attempts to pass things off as drones or potential adversaries or you know um just claim that there wasn't enough data and not really want to address the elephant in the room of the fact that some of this stuff might be non-human technology now where the origin of that technology is coming from we don't know but the fact is that is the elephant in the room here and they don't want to address it and congress is pushing them to the point where they have to address it you know anything that's man-made get that out of the study we're not bothered about that we want you to look into and tell us what you know and what you can find out about these anomalous sightings that are not man-made because that is really the point of all of this isn't it so i think it's great to see and definitely check that article out in full because uh, Marrick has been doing some excellent work recently and highly recommend reading the article. It's not a long article, but definitely worth reading through. So again, follows up on everything that I'm hearing from various sources who I speak to in the background, uh, things that I'm hearing publicly from key people that the lawmakers who are putting forth this legislation um, are doing so with having seen evidence that's been provided to them knowing that whistleblowers have, uh, are coming forward and are actually lining up to be able to put forward their side of the story as long as they get sufficient protection it's going to be a really interesting few months i feel like i've said that a lot on this podcast in starting but i just so happen to have got involved in this right at the time when things were heating up I think I started the show um, probably like a few weeks before um, the the preliminary uh, assessment was, was released, the UAP task force preliminary report. And that was round about the time that I did my first episode. I think one of my first episodes was my reaction to that report. And since then, it seems like momentum has been picking up and picking up. As I explained earlier, I think that is a genuine um progression of momentum and it's less about a hype train more about we are genuinely moving into uncharted territory with regards to this topic and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how the rest of this year pans out don't forget we've also got various reports as well which are scheduled to come out i think the first one is going to be on halloween and um, there have already this year supposedly been reports delivered in, in a classified non-public setting as well uh, all of this was stipulated in the legislation that went through last year the question is obviously there is actually you know how much of that uh, has actually been done because we know that the AOMSG was dragging its feet 
you know, horrendously. Um, but as I say, throughout the rest of this year, we've got public reports to, to look at. We're also going to see the potential of more hearings. And going forward, when this new legislation eventually gets passed, I think it's going to be around about springtime that we're really going to see things start to pick up momentum. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that all actually takes shape. But that's about it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed that. It was a bit of a different format to usual. A little bit of my my own opinions and thoughts kind of thrown in there, as well as kind of incorporating some of the recent events that have been taking place. And as I said, I would love to hear people's opinions on, on some of the things that I've been discussing there. So feel free to send me a message. I try to get back to as many messages as I can. Obviously, I do get a bit more messages these days now that the, the podcast has a you know, fair few listeners and whatnot. But I always try and reply to people, as I'm sure many of you can attest to. And if you've enjoyed the episode today um, and you want to support the podcast a little bit more, um, then you can go on the Patreon and do so there. So patreon.com forward slash ufo thinker and patreon allows you to get early access to episodes and um, occasional extra patreon only episodes which are exclusive for people who support on patreon and um, it's uh, a couple of pounds a month i think the, the first tier is a dollar a month you can literally just donate one dollar it really helps me to keep everything running cover all the costs associated with, associated with the podcast and you know as things move along i would love to be able to devote more time to this and put out multiple episodes a week instead of just the one and patreon really helps me to do that i've decided to not run adverts now that is a bit of an odd thing to do in this day and age because everywhere you go there are adverts but that is exactly why i'm not running adverts i hate listening to podcasts and having adverts pop up i hate watching videos and it just seems like you're bombarded with advertisements everywhere you go in this day and age and i don't want to be a part of that so um i'm not sure if I'll be able to maintain that forever, I'm going to try my best to do. I'm going with the the model of um, anybody who wants to support and is in a position to do so can do that on Patreon. And anybody who's not in a position to support or doesn't want to, absolutely fine. You won't hear adverts on this show. I'm making a stand against advertisements. Um, so the only income I receive is from Patreon. I get zero from advertising. And I really want to keep it that way. I know it's very unusual. It goes against the grain of what everybody else is doing. But, you know, I've always been a bit like that in life, just in general. I want to do things my own way. As another individual uh, by the name of Frank once said, you know, I did it my way. So there we go. Uh, and anyway, until next time, I'm going to leave it there for now. So stay curious, take it easy, and I'll catch you in the next episode. You have a favorite podcast.